have a cat named Carbon, and today is Carbon's adoptiversary. Actually, today, a year ago today. Um, but when I say adoptiversary, I mean, well, I mean, that's the day actually that I brought him home actually thinking he was another cat. Uh, he's, a, he's a black cat, and well, let's face it all, black cats kind of look the same. So turns out it was, it was a different cat, but now we have this cat instead, and we're happy for that. Uh, that's actually why we named him Carbon. So you, would you like to see a picture of Carbon? Of course you would. So, okay, I took this picture at night. Um, okay, here's Rowan. So this is, this is Carbon. He's adorable. We love him. He's, he's a good kitty. Uh, so we have Carbon. We've had him for the past year. So he's a year new to our home and our, our neighborhood. Our neighbors, they also have a black cat that's been around for a while, uh, 10 plus years. His name is, his name is Smokey. And so they're both male black cats living next door to each other. And we like Smokey. He's a good cat. We like Carbon, our cat. He's a good cat. Carbon and Smokey, not as much. <laughs> there have been, let's say, territorial disputes that have gone on between these two. And sometimes it's been, it's been hilarious because most of the time they would just kind of get together on the lawn and kind of and sit there and stare at each other and make these weird growling noises. At first, like, what is going on? Because it didn't sound like cats. They're making these low, like, and they're both doing it at the same time. It sounded not like it sounded like two demon-possessed cows. <laughs> so one time. Uh, there was going to be the standoff because Carbon was on the front porch of our house and uh, Smokey was coming up and was going to get on our porch so a little dispute was going to happen, an incursion. And so I thought, well, I'm going to film this because it's funny hearing the noise that they make. And was, and I get, so I, I film this. And I'm going to play a little video clip for you so you can hear this. We'll have to make sure the sound is up so they can hear these awesome cat noises. Uh, but also, I'll just say, wait for it because... I got a little bit more than I expected. So this is the porch. So uh, Smokey is the cat on the right here. He's a little more uh, long hair. Carbon is kind of by the chair. He is on the left, and you'll see him here. We'll play this right now. Whoa, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, freak it up. Freak it up. Oh, your claws are caught and get out of here. <laughs> Go. <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> it was like one of those cartoons from like Looney Tunes where like the cat is like this big ball of like just a uh, you know black fur and there's like arms and claws sh shooting out. It's like what I can't even tell which cat is which in this. Uh, they turn out they were both fine. Uh, so they still aren't the best of friends, but they've come to some understandings uh, with this. <laughs> Today's message, yes, is on conflict. <laughs> and it would be great if conflict was only between cats, but guess what? Conflict is all over the place. Uh, there are territorial disputes between nations. There are territorial disputes in our homes between our children over who gets that chair or that last Pop-Tart. 
territorial disputes between, between people on different, uh, sometimes literal territory, but other times maybe the territory is a, a place of pride or position. There's all these different things, and there's a lot of conflict in the world. And because of sin, we live in a world where relationships between people are, are broken and people are set against each other. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about conflict. And we'll look at many of the verses. It's going to be coming fast. Uh, we are going to have to go fast through this. So I encourage you to do more thinking about these verses at home. There's a catalog of some of these verses on the back side of your bulletin insert. Of course, you can find more in the book of Proverbs. I hope that you're still making a goal to read through the entire book of Proverbs on your own. But also, don't just have these messages be a time where you hear and think about this during the service, and then you stop thinking about it and just go home. Instead, I would hope that you would have the same attitude that uh, the Puritans of old had. You know, they referred to, to Sunday service as market day for the soul. I love that concept. It's like you go to the store and you get all these goods and you're going to bring them home. And for us, it's like maybe you're making that trip into Sam's Club or to Costco and you're getting all this stuff. You're not just going to, well, I'll see what I can eat a little bit while I'm at Sam's Club and then I'm going to come home. No, you bring this all home and then over time you, you unpack it, you, you digest it. So all these Proverbs, they are going to be even more helpful to you and impactful. The more that you spend time savoring them, thinking about them, the Bible calls that meditating on them, and God will keep giving you more and more insight the more that you do that. So I encourage you to do that, and I say that again partially because we're going to have to go pretty fast place through this. A big main point of all of this this morning is that it is wise to remove the fuel from conflict rather than adding kindling to it. So I've put some of these Proverbs into three main categories, and the first that I want to deal with, I noticed so many of these Proverbs revolve around this basic idea that we should not get drawn into drama. It is wise to heed this advice. Don't get drawn into drama. Let me give you a verse on that. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Think of that metaphor. If you have a dog that is going by, and especially a lot of times in the ancient world, they, dogs weren't pets, they were these wild dogs. You have a dog, it's just passing by, and you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab this dog by the ears and start yanking on its ears. Things are not going to go well after that. And when you are scratched and bitten and bleeding, and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, why are you, you bleeding and injured? Then your response is going to be, well, there was a, a dog. I was walking by, and there was just a dog walking by. Well, I thought it would be a great thing to just grab it by its ears. And guess what? It freaked out and started biting me. And someone would say to you, that was dumb. Why did you do that? You didn't need to do that. No, I didn't, but I just, there was a dog, and I thought I'd just grab it by its ears. Saying when we meddle in quarrels, we get involved in these fights, we get involved in things that are not our business, that we didn't need to get involved in, that we could have just let it go by and we could have gone by. It's as dumb as somebody that just decides to grab a dog and take it by its ears. And then, yeah, you end up bitten, you end up bleeding, you end up scratched, you end up wounded, and you could have just stayed out of it 
to begin with. This is some wisdom from the Word of God telling us this. Don't meddle when it's none of your business. There may be times when it is your business. There may be times when you need to. But there are a lot of times when it's not your business. And you don't need to. And you could really save yourself a lot of hassle. Another proverb dealing with this, Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Every fool is quarreling. They're getting into it, but a wise thing and an honorable thing is just to stay above this. There are all these frays going on, maybe at the workplace, maybe in the community, maybe on Middleville Chatter on Facebook or people on Twitter and all this, and people feel like they have to jump into it. But there is wisdom in saying, I don't need to. I don't need to get involved in this. I'm just going to stay out and stay away. We could spend a whole time talking about the wisdom just in this. Keep thinking about it. The next point is going to deal similarly to this. Learn the fine art of keeping your mouth closed. Think of how much quarreling, how much fighting, how much is conflict, how much even you know, cold wars between people could be prevented if people would just learn, don't say that thing that you think you want to say. Just don't let it out. No, don't say it. Close your mouth. Just, just zip it. And everything will be okay. There are several Proverbs that tell us this. So take these in. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Do you want to solve a lot of your problems before they even start? Then just zip it. That's what you need to do. Proverbs 27, or 17, 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. So you have words you could say, you're going to restrain them, you're going to make the choice and say, I'm, I'm not going to say that. I'm thinking it right now. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm not going to say it. I could type that reply. I could send that email. I could hit send. I'm not going to do it. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So the parallel here is to be a person with a cool spirit. You're not just reacting quickly, rashly, firing something off. I know many people have found that, you know, that email that you want to send uh, is best to, you know, maybe wait overnight. And a lot of times you decide, I'm not going to send this because better judgment has prevailed. That's a little bit tougher because so much of our stuff now is, is texting and different things. And, uh, and it's probably not good. We get ourselves into trouble. And if verse 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. Just has, feels like this is in my heart. I just got to say it. I just got to let it out. But a wise man quietly holds it back. So again, no, you don't always need to say what you're thinking. Some people say, oh, I just, I got to speak my mind. I always got to say it. No, you don't. That's what this, these proverbs are telling us. Filters are your friend. <laughs> Having a filter I want to say this, though, too. Don't just filter your mouth. Ultimately, we want to filter our heart. If you have something that is caustic that you're about to say, it is better to trap that in your mouth, so to speak, and so it doesn't come out and do the damage. But don't just say, well, I have a good filter so I can have all this ugliness and bad attitude in my heart. Because eventually it's going to get out, and even if it doesn't, it's going to poison you. And even more, it's just it's sin before God. 
to have in your heart, and he knows it directly. There's no filter between you and the Lord. So filter your mouth, filter your heart. Filters are our friends. Don't reply to that person on social media. I think it also means don't be talking about that person behind their back. Like, well, I didn't say it to them, but I said it to everyone else. Well, yeah, that's going to lead to conflict. You know, words are much easier. They're the type of thing, it's much easier to keep them in to begin with than to, to pull them back. Once they're out, they're out. You know, you, it's easier to, to just not shoot that arrow. It's easier to, to, to never launch something than to try and take it back once it's out. One more thing under this category of don't get drawn into drama. A few verses, a few Proverbs had this idea. Avoid foolish fights. You've got to pick your, your engagements. Are you going to get involved? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Oftentimes, really, you don't. I mean, there's a lot of drama in the world. There's a lot of things going on. Most of it, you shouldn't be involved in. Most of it, you can't. But there's something especially tell us what kind of person not to get involved with and that if you're getting involved in something with a foolish person, the chances of this turning out well are very small. Proverbs 29.9, If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. So you have to think, what is, what is your audience? Who is the person that you're dealing with? And you get into something with a foolish person, you might just be giving them what they want, Maybe they just they, they want the platform, they're trying to stir it up, you're feeding the trolls. You have to ask yourself, is this going to do any good? Is this worth engaging in? And sometimes a person is in no mindset where basically nothing that you can say, nothing you can do, at least at that time, is actually going to help that person. And so maybe the best thing you can do is, is pray, maybe the best thing you can do is take the long position, uh, but just consider if that person has no desire to be rational. It's, and if it can't be a rational conversation, it's going to be irrational, and it's just going to end up being some crazy fight. Two other verses that deal with this too, and these are ones to really think about. Some people have said, oh, these verses show that the Bible contradicts itself. Because look at this. You have uh, two verses here. Proverbs 26, 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Like if you, somebody is foolish, they're saying foolish things, and saying don't get into it, don't answer him that way, don't do that, or else you're going to be dragged in, you're going to end up being a fool yourself. But then the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. That's where some people say, oh, the Bible, it's contradicting itself. As if... Solomon, when he wrote, the, or when these are being put together, they didn't realize these are right next to each other. Okay? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And you could spend time thinking about this, and maybe there's different ways to interpret it. But perhaps what it means to us is that sometimes you need to apply the one verse, sometimes you need to apply the other. And it's going to take discernment, it's going to take understanding the situation, the person, the timing to determine when that is. That oftentimes you get into it, you get dragged into it, it's, it's not worth it, don't do it. But maybe once in a while there is a time when you need to respond and you need to, to call out that foolishness for their good, maybe the good of other people that are listening in or something like that. They need to be, have their foolish mindset and their pride uh, adjusted 
but it takes wisdom and it takes having your, make sure your heart is in the right place and the right attitude so that you're responding with God's leading the way it ought to be. Yeah, I don't think it's a contradiction. They're right next to each other. You know, sometimes I think it's one applies and sometimes these, the other one applies. Now before we move on, the main point for all of this is not to meddle. I do want to make sure that we realize that there are times when we do need to speak out. Okay, don't swing so far the other side that we become just so passive and we just avoid conflict so much that we don't get involved when we actually do need to get involved, when sometimes it is our business. And sometimes it is someone that's, that is connected to us, that's close to us, you know, our children. Maybe it is a close friend, and maybe at that point you are the right person to speak into their lives. But make sure it's at the right time, in the right way, with God's help, try to discern, are you actually that person or are you involving in something that th- you're really not the right person for that? Especially if you've found that you're the type of person that kind of loves drama, be more suspicious of yourself, be slower to back off. If you're in that stage of life where you're just, you know, uh, you're wanting to be like the, um, you know, the young ram that just wants to challenge people to, you know, show superiority, or or this is a characteristic you've developed over the years, be more suspicious of yourself. But sometimes there is a time when you need to do that, um, to be that influence in the right way. And there are times when we do need to speak for those that cannot defend themselves, those that cannot speak out for themselves, when there's true injustice that we need to speak out for. But so often, really, all you need to do is just zip it. And you will wisely avoid so much conflict. So along with this, there's a lot of Proverbs that have to do with uh, the second part. I could have made this just incorporate it, but I wanted to give it some point because it is such a big deal. Uh, But watch your words. You know, think about what you say. So if you do involve yourself in something, maybe you're involving yourself in a dispute, or maybe there was no dispute, and you don't want to be the cause of it, we need to watch our words. We want to be careful with the things that, that do come out of our mouth or from our, our fingertips on the keyboard or whatever it is. Because our words can very quickly get us into conflict. Great proverb on that is Proverbs 18.6. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. This is saying you didn't need to get a beating. You didn't need to get in this fight. But you just, you you talked yourself into it. Your, your lips led you into this fight, into this beating. And I'm not advocating for violence here. I'm not saying every, someone was justified, you know, in violence or, or whatever uh, type of beating this is. And it's not always a physical beating. But we have to recognize so oftentimes we, we start conflict, we initiate it when we didn't need to by dumb things that we say, by foolish things, by caustic things. Uh, judgmental things, prideful things. And it is so quick and so easy to get conflict going by saying these things, by typing these type of things. You have to really watch what we say. Our, our tongue is a, is a tool. It can be used for great good. It can also do a lot of harm. Our words, our words can do a lot of harm. I'm going through this section and kind of quickly, you'll see there are more Proverbs that really could relate to this. But just a, a great proverb to always remember is Proverbs 12, 18, 
which says there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. So a sword thrust is going to do damage. And so this is saying one of these types of words that are bad are, are rash words. You know, when we say something rashly, quickly, without thinking, without processing, without praying for God to, to help us, to, to say the right thing at the right way at the right time. And so often the damaging words are the words that are said very, very quickly. So you have to guard your tongue. There is a time to speak, but we need to be slow to speak. We need to be careful to speak. Not just flying off and doing it. it causes a lot of harm. But the verse goes on and says, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And that's a reminder to us, well, that there's a flip side to it too. And it's not just a matter of never say anything because there's, there are times where your speech can not only prevent conflict, there's times where your speech and what you say can hopefully can heal conflict, that can bring healing uh, to a relationship, that can bring healing to a hurting person. You know, oftentimes people are lashing out because, because they are hurting. And there are ways that things that we can say and things that we can do that can actually help that. Again, you need God's wisdom, hopefully experience. You can learn from others uh, when to say things, the right way to say things. But it's got to come from your heart being in the right place. So all of this, if you just, you could get a book about what's the right thing to say in every circumstance. There are books that are like that. But you know what? If you don't have the right heart, just having the right words isn't going to matter. But if you let God work on your heart and what's on the inside, the heart is the source of the things that you say. Then whether you are the most eloquent speaker or the most tongue-tied, at least those words are going to be coming from a good place. And therefore, the things that you say can be an instrument, can be a, a you know, a knife can be a, a scalpel, a knife can, you know, can be something that kills or it can be a scalpel that heals. And what do you want your words to be? And it's going to be dependent on the intent of your heart and for God to help you with that. So yeah, first you need to ask yourself when you're about to communicate something, especially if you have any idea that there might be some way that this might go south, that it might cause somebody harm, you know, be aware of that, be thinking about some things. Uh, Sometimes we don't give it that thought that, oh, if I make this comment, that could actually insult this person. You know, that could hit at a place of, you know, kind of pride in their life, whether that's good or bad, but it's going to push a button. You know, be aware of those things. But if and when you do decide to speak, one of the first things that we need to always ask ourselves is, what is your intent? What are you hoping to accomplish to accomplish by what you're about to say? Because if it's just a matter of, I got to get this off my chest, then you might be just be, you know, throwing knives out there and trying to make yourself feel good because you've, you've, you know, vented yourself and you've released some pressure but maybe you're doing a flamethrower of damage all over the place. Or if your honest desire is, I want to help this person, I want, to, I want to help this situation, then you can ask these other questions. Is this something that I need to get involved with? Should I get involved with this? Am I the right person to be doing this? Or am I encroaching on something that it's not really my business, I'm not really the right person, I'm not really close enough to this? Consider your timing. That's a big deal. There's sometimes, there's things where you have zero chance of it going well because you say it at the wrong time. Someone's already frustrated. You know, they're tired. Uh, there's things where you, they're set off against you. Who knows what these things might be? Um, 
And there's other times where you know it's going to be taken better. It might not be a guarantee of success, but at least you have a better chance of that. So consider that, you know, the timing, the setting. You know, are you saying it around other people where you're going to embarrass them and they feel like they have to defend themselves? Or can you say it in a way that uh, they're able to not have their guard up, they're not able to fight back, you know, it, to lash out back at you because they, they, they don't feel as vulnerable. So consider your timing, consider your setting, watch your tone. That's such a big deal. You know, the tone that we have and how we say it. You can have the right words, but depending on your tone of voice, depending on your body language, can really communicate what is in your heart. And there can be a lot of ways where tone can be misunderstood. And that's where I'd really advise, too, that there are certain types of communication that are a lot better for avoiding conflict and resolving conflict than others. Because, again, they've said sometimes that, I don't remember the exact statistics, and I don't know how they'd really know this for sure, but that sometimes that the actual words that you use are like 10% of communication, and that your tone of voice is like another 30%, and that body language is the rest. So think of it. That would mean the best type of communication, and I think we realize this, is when you can sit down with someone face-to-face. They can see you. You can talk to them. That you're trying to come to them from a good place in your heart. You know, maybe you've waited so that you've had time for you to cool down, for God to work on your heart. You've asked the Holy Spirit to, to be helping you. You're being honest to realize that maybe I'm not just 100% in the right. You're searching yourself for wrong motives too. But then you can sit down with them and hopefully they're going to both hear the tone of your voice. They're also going to see your mannerisms because the mannerisms that you have and just the little things can either amplify or betray the things that you're saying because of how we act. You know, if you're able to look him in the eye or you, you can't even look at him, just little things like that. So whenever you can, face-to-face is always the best. Uh, you know, something on the telephone or something like that would be like second best because then at least they can hear your tone of your voice. But a lot of the stuff we do is by email, by texting and, you know, Facebook and things like that. And then it, it's really tough. Because on your end, you might be saying it in the most innocent way you possibly can, maybe the sweetest way, and when you read it, that, that's how it is, but you have no control how, how the other person reads it. And they could be reading it in a sarcastic way. They could be reading it with the wrong tone that you didn't intend at all. So we just need to be extra careful in those type of communications. And whenever we can, try to have things where we deal with stuff face-to-face. It uh, usually works out best. So my last point for this morning. So watch your words. There's a lot of other Proverbs that are grouped under this category. We'll say it like this. Remove the fuel from the fire. If conflict is like a fire, it's like a fire that rages, you can either be feeding it fuel, kindling it, getting going, adding to it, pouring the adding logs to it. You know, I'm going to put a big log on this. I'm going to make sure this fire goes a long time. I'm going to let's throw some gasoline on this. Let's really get it blazing real quick. You know, or we can be people that we remove the fuel from it. If you take the fuel away from it, the conflict goes away. There's a proverb that tells us this. I'm not just making this up. Proverbs 26, 20 through 21. For a lack of wood, the fire goes out. That is true. We understand that. From camping, from science, you need fuel. Take away the fuel, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. 
So this is an example of one of the ways, I think there are more, that you can remove the fuel. And so the thing was the whisperer. This is somebody that's, you know, they're gossiping. You know, they're saying those things to the other person. It's getting around uh, behind their back, but it never stays behind their back. And it causes problems. It causes conflict. And so you, you remove the whisperer or you remove the whispering and you're removing the fuel from that fire. So don't be a person like that. Don't be someone that is engaged in this whispering and gossiping. And you always have to say this and, well, my comment, my critique, and I have this thing I'm saying, put down this person or why they're wrong. Maybe you're right about it. Maybe you're not. But you don't need to be saying it most of the time. And so often you're, just, you're, you're having fuel that's available there for the fire. And maybe the fire hasn't broken out yet, but maybe you've got a whole mound of kindling there. And all it's going to take is a spark. And now you've got this huge thing going on because you've been preparing for this fire. You've been setting it up. You've been building that little, you know, a teepee of wood. And then, oh, surprise, now there's conflict. So don't put that in place. And if you do, we've got to try to remove that, take those logs out. The Bible doesn't say it like this, but I, I, I like saying it like this. Pour water on conflict, not gasoline. Whenever we find conflict that we're in or that we're around and we can't avoid, you can choose one thing or another. You could pour gasoline on it. You could add fuel to it. And sometimes people do. They jump in, and I'm going to give my two cents. I'm going to get in part of this. And we just make it worse, and we inflame things. We add gasoline. We ratchet up the, the heat. We get people more worked up. That's one approach. But another approach is you could, you could add water to it. I mean, someone that tries to cool it. You're trying to remove, not only just removing the, uh, the, the fuel, but you're, you're trying to put it out. You may not be able to just squelch it, but you can, you can lower the temperature. You can bring calm to it. And some of the other verses we're going to look at are, are some of the ways to do that. But I, I think just this mindset, as we have conflict around us, you might have to ask God for more wisdom on how and when exactly to do this. But what is your attitude? And ask yourself, am I going to be pouring gasoline on this or potentially doing this? Or is there a way I can hopefully bring water, bring calmness? And yeah, sometimes that means just not getting involved. Because even getting involved is going to heat things up. But maybe it does being involved, but in a right way that's going to help lower the temperature, kind of calm things down with people. And that's an art and a skill, by the way, to develop you know, as a peacemaker and someone to, to help in these situations. Part of that means, and this goes to our heart, is to be someone that's slow to anger. Several of the Proverbs in the collection deal with this. Here's one, Proverbs twenty nine twenty two: a man of wrath stirs up strife. So if you're someone, you're quick to wrath, you're, you're a fighter by nature, you, just, you, you get into conflict, you like it, you love it, you gravitate towards it, yeah, it's, you're going to be stirring up strife. You're going to be causing more conflict. On the other hand, it says, and the one given to anger causes much transgression. So the same thing there. If you're given to anger, if you're prone to it, it's going to be leading into more sin, more problems, these things. And so we need to work on our heart. Be slow to anger. There might be a time to be angry and to be angry hopefully in the right way. The Bible does talk about that. I mean, God gets angry, but he also is, God is slow to anger. And be very glad that God is slow to anger because 
you and I wouldn't be here if God was quick to anger because all of us have done plenty to make him angry, okay? Because we're sinners. We're rebels. If God treated us according to our, what we deserve, that's the end. I mean, it could have, should have been, okay, you know, Adam and Eve, their first sin, they're done. There goes humanity. But God is gracious. He is slow to anger. He plays the, the long game. And he, in the same way, we need to have hearts that be, are like God, to have a, a long wick. We're not flying off the handle. We're not, we don't have a short fuse. So we need to work in that in our hearts. Think about what are the things that cause you to, to react in anger so quickly? Sometimes there's other things going on in our heart. There's pride. You know, you're encroaching on my territory. You're, you know, getting in my pride. This was my thing. You know, examine your heart. Learn from history. Learn why are your buttons being pressed? What is it that somebody is encroaching on your little kingdom that is getting you so upset? And everything, in some ways, comes down to some form of idolatry and some sort of sin like this. Even if you come home from work and the first thing you do, you're about to you know, sit down and you know, the, the kids are hectic and you, you fly off the handle. And it's like, okay, the kids are just kind of being normal. Maybe you've had a bad day, maybe you didn't. But sometimes it's because we've thought to ourselves, well, I've had a tough day at work, but I can at least come home and I can have my little kingdom of quiet. But now, these ruffians are invading my little kingdom. And so we lash out at them the way that we couldn't to our boss. There's all these things. We have to think about what is, what is the hard attitude? What are the buttons? What's the idolatry that's going on that's causing that anger? And why do we think we need to be the ones to react that way? Is there a Bible verse that says, vengeance is ours. Repay it quickly. No, it doesn't. We can handle things over to the, give them over to the Lord. So be slow to anger. Speak calming words. This is part of adding the water to conflict instead of the gasoline. A great verse dealing with this. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a, har- but a harsh word stirs up anger. So you have the contrast here. The second half, the harsh word you say something harsh, you say it hard, you're like, I, I just, I'm going to say it like I mean a person. Well, a lot of times that's going to make things worse. You're adding the gasoline to the fire there by that, that harsh answer. And a lot of times it needs to be a, a soft answer. That doesn't mean diluting the truth. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're changing what needs to be said, but you're trying to say it in the right way and with the right tone. Trying to respect the other person, trying to uh, work for something that's good, kind of respecting that they may not be at the right place where the, the direct word uh, is going to do good. I would say sometimes the direct word can be helpful and is what is needed. A lot of times the, the soft word, the calm word, is what is actually going to produce better results. It is easier to end conflict early than later on. Proverbs 17, 14 says, The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarreling breaks out. I think you have the idea here of like a dammed up river, and that when it start, the dam starts to break, it might be a little bit, and you have a chance there where if you can plug that dam right away, the whole dam isn't going to burst, but if you don't, there you go. And so, when you see conflict getting started, you see the beginnings of some kind of 
uh, quarrel, some kind of thing that, man, this is going to accelerate quickly. This could really get out of hand quickly. Deal with it as soon as you can. I mean, find the right way, whether it means backing off, whether it means calm words, whether it means uh, apologizing, searching your heart. Who knows? Ask the Lord to, to help you with that, with wisdom from the Spirit of God and the Scriptures. But so often, if, if things are dealt with early, it doesn't have to be nuclear war, okay? It doesn't have to be north versus the south in, in your family, your community, or in a church. You know, cut these things off when they're small, deal with them that way, before it becomes this major uh, battle. Because things can escalate really, really quickly. And that is truth. So deal with these things early on, and that is wisdom to do that. And the very last thing I have is to overlook offenses out of love when you can. Proverbs ten twelve says, Hatred stirs up strife. If you hate someone else, you're going to want to just, you're going to want to stir it up. You're going to want to get it going. You're going to want to fight. But it says, Love covers all offenses. So the opposite, in, according to here, the opposite approach of stirring up strife is sometimes to cover offenses. And that means there are times, actually a lot of times, where we, there are things that we need to ignore. And ignore out of love, ignore for good. For the common good, for the good of that person, for your good. If you respond to every insult or every perceived insult, real or imagined, you're going to be fighting all the time. Oh, that person looked at me weird, or this happened. I can't believe I didn't get asked for this, or this person. I mean, you could, you could be fighting all the time. And there are times when someone, it will be something that it would be legit for you to be upset about. You said, you know what, I could take, I could be offended by this. But out of love, so often we need to choose to just be a duck and let it run off our back. And it's a choice oftentimes that we need to make. You know, if we're wrapped up in our pride, we're wrapped up in ourselves. we're going to, I'm going to take that to heart. I'm going to let that stir me up. But so oftentimes we need to just choose to do that. I do say whenever you can, because, I mean, there are things that sometimes need to be dealt with. And there, I'm not saying bury your head in the sand like an ostrich because there are, there are certain things that are a big deal and that do need to be dealt with. But it takes wisdom, it takes understanding to know when it is. What is your role in it? Are you the right person, the right place, all of this? But a lot of times, out of love, we just, you just let it go. And when I say that, don't mean just, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to respond now, but I'm going to store it up for later. Okay, well, now you're, you're piling the logs on for the fuel for the eventual uh, you know, barn fire of the century. Instead, you really need to, in your heart, just let it go and choose to, to forgive them, to cover it, to let it go and say, I choose not to have this big, be a big deal. I choose not to be offended. Yeah, I could take it that way, but you know what? They're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and out of love, I'm going to make that choice. That can be hard to do, but it's a good thing to do, and it's a Christian thing to do. Proverbs 19.11, last proverb we're looking at this morning. Good sense makes one slow to anger. We've talked about that, being slow to anger. That's good sense. It's wise. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. That it's actually a thing of glory when there's something where you have been offended, where maybe you have been hurt, but you are choosing to, to overlook this, to not care about it, to, to pass by on this. And I looked up 
the word here for, for overlook in the Hebrew, because I was, I was curious on that. And the word, um, I won't get into all the details, uh, but it can have a variety of different meanings, uh, including uh, to pass over, to take away. And I found that it is used in a different uh, passage in the same sense in the book of Micah, verse 7, verse 18 and 19. And so I want to close with this. It's not going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen to this. And think about this is the motivation that we should have because it's going to use the phrase passing over. It's the same Hebrew word as to overlook. And we need to think about the way that the Lord has treated us. If you have received Christ as your Savior, how God has passed by your sins, he has overlooked them. And he hasn't just covered them over, he's actually taken them away by the blood that he shed. And as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper, thinking that this is why Jesus went to the cross, because we had that alienation from God. We had that hostility that we had made, not, not his fault, our fault, because of our sin. And he reconciled us to himself by his blood, by his sacrifice on our behalf. The, the man who is God, shedding his blood for sinners, like me, like you, so that we can have a restored relationship that he gives us by his free gift we receive just by trusting by grace. So think of these words as we close from Micah 7. Who is like you, God, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression? For the remnant of his inheritance, he does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Let's pray. Lord God, you are one that came to this earth and suffered and died to reconcile us to yourself. We were hostile to you. We were sinners. We were an enmity to you, Lord God, and it was our fault. But you took the initiative to make peace, to make reconciliation. And Lord, you had every right to be offended and to punish us. But we thank you that out of your great and amazing love, you took our sins upon yourself when Jesus went to the cross and died as a substitute for sinners. And so now our iniquities have been, it's like they've been crushed underfoot and they've been cast into the sea never to return, Lord God. Lord, help us to be like you. Help us to be like people that, that seek peace, that seek reconciliation, that are able to at times overlook or absorb an offense, Lord God, for the good of other people, Lord, because we thank you for what you have done for us. Help everyone here to know you and love you as Savior, the one that reconciles sinners to you to make peace between us and God. In Jesus' name we pray, asking for your help. Amen.